going to be in 1 Samuel 9, and we're going to be reading about how God led Samuel to Saul, who would be the first king of Israel, and how God led Saul to Samuel. It's a great testimony about God's leadership. And just to kind of review, by the way, I'm glad to be teaching my class. I miss occasionally, but I'm glad to be able to be here today. And um, so we've been talking about how Israel insisted on having a king in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. Verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. That's what we want. Verse 20, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Well, really, they needed God to help fight their battles, but they wanted a king to fight their battles. And Samuel heard all these words in verse 21. He rehearsed them in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel in verse 22, Hearken unto their voice. Listen to them. Make them a king. And so Samuel sent them home. Go you every man into his own city. So, so we've had this narrative really about they wanted a king and, and God advised them that he wanted to be their king. And then we had this period of time where really Samuel is not really present. He's not really visible. Uh, but now he's giving them this leadership and direction. And so if you have your lesson, by the way, if you don't have your lesson, if you don't have a lesson, raise your hand, Brother, brother Peterson. My, my wife up here needs, needs one, Brother. Thank you. You know, I think about the verse... And we may have even used it in the lesson previously, but in Psalm 106, where it says this about the way God worked with his people. And this is the way God sometimes works in our life. And I really think we ought to take this to heed to this this morning. But the verse says, he gave them their request. He, God, gave them Israel. He gave them their request. He gave them what they wanted. But the next part of that verse says, but he sent leanness unto their soul. God gave them what they wanted physically, but there were spiritual repercussions. He didn't bless them spiritually. And really, this is what we have in, in this, at this particular time in Israel. They wanted a king, and God's going to give them what they want, but it's not going to really be what they need. And so, let's just read here in verse, beginning in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 9. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And that word power means he was a, a man of influence, a man of wealth, a man of influence. He had a very prestigious family. And so it's telling us about Kish, but the main reason we're learning about Kish is because he had a son in verse 2 whose name was Saul. And, and, and the writer describes Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. There was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he from his shoulders and upward. He was higher than all of the people. So here we have Kish, who's the father of a Saul, who was a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin, if you're filling the blanks there on the little small letter A. 
And his son Saul was a choice man. That means there was, he was an admirable man. He was a des- desirable person. And it says he was goodly, goodlier than all other people, none goodlier than him. And that, that refers to his character. So you, you have this, I had this image of him. He was, says he was taller than anyone else around. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He's tall, he's sharp-looking, he's, he's powerful, he's witty, he's from a good family. So from a human perspective, this is right at the end of number, small letter B, he had everything one would want in a king, and I think it's significant. I think that's really what Saul, uh, Saul is going to be the answer to their desire. They're praying for a king. They want a king. And so God gave them a king, and I believe God gave them a king that on the surface, physically, would look pleasing to him. This is a sharp guy. He's, he's from a good family. He's, he's, he's tall. He's he's. Physical, they wanted somebody to fight their battles for him. And the interesting thing is, if you think about it, God knew what kind of king Saul was going to be. He, he's not going to be a king very long. He's very selfish, self-centered, prideful, impulsive. And, and people would look at that and say, well, why would God give them a king knowing that's how he was going to be? Because God gave them what they wanted. God gave them what they wanted. And that's really very critical in life is to realize there's something more important than what we want. And that's what does God want? What does God want? So, so uh, see there, what is missing in the description of Saul, what's missing is a reference to his relationship with God. So big contrast here. We'll see this later in the life of David. But God gave them, God gave them Saul because he looked the part and he wasn't a spiritually inclined person. And later on, after Saul's death, God is going to give them a man after his own heart. That's really what, that was a qualification that Saul did not have. He didn't have a heart for God. And, and even in the, in the selection of David, when they went to the son of Jesse, to Jesse's house to find this, Samuel went there to find the next king. And and these people came before him, the older brothers of David, and Saul, Samuel thought these were good candidates because they looked the part. But then God said, no, there's, there's, that's not the one. So, th- so it's a great lesson for us that God is not just looking for what you see on the outside. God sees what's in a person's heart. And so, uh, so Kish had these donkeys. The lesson says he had two donkeys, but that's really not in the Scripture. He had plural donkeys that were lost. So let's read a little bit about that in verse 3. And the asses, the donkeys, the asses of King Saul's father were lost. And Kish, the dad, said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisa, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalom, and there they were not. He passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. Now, I didn't try to figure out exactly how far this is, but I read where one person says that's a, that's a journey of about 25 miles. That's a long ways to go looking for. They made a big circle looking for these animals. They couldn't find them. Verse 5 says, And when they were come to the land of Zuth, Saul 
said to his servant that was with him, Come and let us return. Let's go home. Lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. Dad's going to be worried about us. He's going to quit worrying about the donkeys, be more worried about us. So one thing he tells you about Saul, he was at least sensitive to his dad and his dad's feelings and his dad's concerns. And so they're out looking for these, for these animals. And uh, whenever Saul suggested that they were return home, then the servant gave him a good piece of advice. In the next verse, it says in verse uh, 6, And he said unto him, the servant said to, to uh, Saul, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith surely cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he will show us our way that we should go. Now that was a good piece of advice, isn't it, from this servant of Saul? You know, there's, I know there's a man here, and he's, a, he's an honorable man, he's a good man, he's a man of God. That's a, that's a great thing to say about a person. He's, he's God's man, and we could go see him and ask him. You know, maybe he can give it, make, he can tell us where these donkeys are. You know, when I say that, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who think, well, God wouldn't be interested in something like that. Why would God be interested in my lost animal? You know, if, it's lost, if you lost a cat, I can understand not being interested in it. But if you had a real pet, like a donkey, you know, God would take an interest in that, right? So, but people think that God's not interested in these things, but God is interested in these small things. And we know, this room, I'm not going to take... I'm not going to chase this rabbit, but people in this room could testify, I know I could, that there have been times when I've lost things, and when I prayed, I know that God helped me find them. Now, that's not a coincidence, you know. Sometimes I've prayed, and while I'm praying, I thought of a place to go look, and there they are. So God's, God's interested, and, and so this, it's interesting to me that the servant knew there was a man of God here who might help them, but Saul, who is going to be the next king, hadn't thought about that. It wasn't on his radar. So, you know, we, we see here this, the profitability, this, this servant. And so it tells us, we're not going to read all these verses, but in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, it just kind of gives us what happened because Saul said, well, if we're going to go see the man of God, we don't have anything to give him. We, it was customary to give him some kind of a financial token, appreciation, go to, see the, go to see the man of God. And the servant said, well, I've got a half a shekel or whatever it is he had. And he says, a, it says the fourth part of a shekel of silver. We'll give that to the man of God. So they go, they go to, to see him. And um, it's, look in verse 9. Before in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, Thus he said, spake, let, come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. It's a great verse of scripture right there. We're, they, they didn't call them prophets all the time. They sometimes called them seers. We're go, let's go find the seer. And so Saul said to his servant, well said, in verse 10, come and let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. Now you really begin to see here you know, how specific and how providential God's leadership is. In verse 11, they went up the hill to the city. They found young maidens, young ladies, going out to draw water. 
And that's like that's terminology that a lot of us have heard in our childhood. You know, I can remember, you know, when I lived on my lived with my grandparents during the summer, that they had a cistern, and they'd say, "Go draw a bucket of water." Everybody knows what that is. You just let it down in the cistern, you pull it up. That was drawing the water. So, so uh, these women went out to draw water and said to, and said to them, "Is the seer?" They asked these women, "Is the seer here?" And they answered him, said, he is, behold, he is before you. You're in the right place, he's, he's here. Make haste now, for he cometh today to the city. What a coincidence. And there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place, and as soon as he comes into the city, he'll straightway, you'll straightway find him. He'll go up to the high place to eat. The people will not eat till he gets there. He's going to bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they'll eat those that are invited. Not everybody can come, but you have to be invited. Now, therefore, these maidens say, get you up, for about this time you shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were coming to the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. So again, you see this, everything, how everything's coming together. They're looking for donkeys. They can't find their donkeys. They're looking for a prophet to tell them how to find the donkeys. And while this is happening at the exact same time, the man of God is coming to the city. Aren't this amazing how these things are so coincidental? How they just, why? No, what a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It's God working. And in a very, in a very natural way. And so, um, let's see, I haven't been hadn't paying attention too much to the fill in the blanks, but in CE there, Saul suggested they return home. And in verse, um, uh, or in F, you know, we're starting to see the strategic role of Samuel who would, who would play a major role in the future of Israel. And he, he is, he is going to be such a central a figure. And so verse uh, number G, they, they went to see the seer, and these young men, these young ladies guided them in verse 8. So God is working. We also, there, there are all these moving parts. By the way, we don't see it a lot of times, but these same things are going on in our life. Not about donkeys, but God, the, the lost donkey. Um, you know, when Saul said, uh, when Kish uh, said to Saul, I want you to go look for the donkeys, he didn't say, go, go get this servant, but he said, go find a servant. He could have gotten any servants. But he got the servant that would recommend to him, hey, there's a man of God that lives real close to here. All these things, all these moving parts. You got the servant, you got the maidens. The maidens who said, I mean, they just happened to go to these maidens and they, knew, and they said, he's coming. He's, and you're at the right place at the right time. And so it's just amazing what God can do. And if God can do this for pe- other people in the Old Testament, God can do these things for us. He can work in our lives. He can... He can cause his plan to come together. So, number two, the Lord directed Samuel to Saul. And here's that, that gift, this prophet, prophetic gift that Samuel has. Look in verse 15. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, so the day prior to this, the Lord had spoken to Samuel. Now, when it says he said it in his ear, I don't know that that's always an audible. It could have been audible. doesn't matter to me whether it was audible or not, but he let him know. He had, he had a way of sensing when God was saying things to him. And by the way, uh, 
we find this in the Old and New Testament, that before there was a written revelation of God, God spoke His Word to people and, and, and got it done in a great way. I don't believe God does that as, like today, like He did then, but God was let him know tomorrow about this time, you know, somebody's going to show up. Look in verse 16. Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cries come unto me. Now notice the language in verse 6 where God says, I will send thee a man. So God sent Saul. And so yet these, these are two, two uh, different but accurate things. Saul was looking for donkeys and God was sending Saul. Right? Saul's looking for donkeys. But what really is going on that, that Saul could not even imagine was God was sending him to Samuel. He's going to bring him to Samuel, and it says in number one there under uh, 2a, number one, um, Saul was looking for his donkeys, but God was sending him to Samuel who would anoint him as king. And God knew that Saul would arrive about this time. He said that day ahead of time. Now, now he didn't tell him how to, he didn't tell, God didn't tell Samuel how to recognize Saul. He just said, about this time, I'm going to send you the man. And look in verse 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Saul walks up to Samuel, no idea who he is, and said, tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. Tell me, do you know where the seer is? And Samuel answered him in verse 19, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee that is in thine heart. Now, this is the prophet's connection with God. He said to, he said to God said to Samuel, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this person to you, and, you know, and then he tells him, you know, that's, this is the person and, and then he says to Saul, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all that's in thine heart. Now, number two there at the bottom of the front of the page there, only God knows our hearts, right? Only God knows our hearts. But God used, God used in the old days, God would use prophets to tell people what was in their hearts. That's the most intimate, most intimate place is what person has inside their heart and yet God is powerful enough wise enough omniscient omnipresent omnipotent that he he can tell somebody what's in a person's heart now so I, I made a note at the bottom that God still uses prophecy but prophecy in our day is not foretelling the future prophecy in our day is proclaiming what God has already said and, and we're not going to turn to it today but in first Corinthians Chapter 14, it talks about the difference. If a person comes into the congregation and people are speaking in languages that they don't understand, they they'll be confused. But if they come in and one prophesies, 
which means they're preaching the word of God, it says that their hearts, their, their, they'll know that God is in them because God is show, reading their own mail, showing them what's in their heart. That's the power of God's word. God speaking to people about what is in their heart. And it's an amazing thing. And people, people who are in the world or people who are unsaved can't even connect with that. But we can because it's happened to us. Where God, through the preaching of the word of God, you know, God chooses to manifest his word through preaching. And people sometimes minimize the importance of that. But God uses his word to give us what we need. And that's why we, that's why we read the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible. And that's why we come to church to hear the word of God taught and preached. Because God can speak to us through his word. So, so here we have this, this uh, situation where God has got Samuel in the loop. And Samuel is connected with Saul, in, in verse 20 of uh, this passage, uh, Samuel says, As for thine asses that were lost three days ago. And I'm sure he's thinking, how did you know? How did you know I was looking for donkeys? How did you know I've been looking for them for three days? Set not thy mind on them. Don't worry about this. Don't be fretting about this. For they are found. And on whom is... All, here's the statement about... Saul's future role. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Who is, desire, who is all of Israel longing for? And who are they longing for? They're longing for a king. They're wanting a king. On whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee, he says to Samuel, and on thy father's house? Now this had to just blow Samuel away. I mean Saul, excuse me, blow Saul away. And Saul answered him in verse 21, I think in a very humble way. Am, I, am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my, fa- my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? I'm the le- we're the least of the tribes, Benjamite, of Benjamin. And our family is the least of all the tribes of Benjamin. Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And so we see really a glimpse of humility in Saul's life. Uh, number four there where it says he was the person Israel was wanting in their desire to have a king. He was, the, he was the one that they were looking for. So once again, we see, I'm trying to wrap this up so we can talk about some practical lessons here, but in, we see the, the connection that Samuel has with the Lord. Verse uh, 22. And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, the place of honor. About 30 people were invited to this luncheon. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. He would, he'd instructed previously to bring a special, a special portion of the food. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it, set it before Saul, and Samuel said, Behold that which is left, notice what's there, what I've provided, set it before thee and eat. He says to Saul, for unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I said, I've invited the people so Saul did eat with Samuel that day. So all these things, there are going to be more after this, but all these things are just really connecting Saul with the fact that God is in this thing. God is directing, God is leading, and they even had the special provision set aside for Saul. 
So verse 25, And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. They rose early, came to pass about the spring of the day early in the morning, that Samuel, Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, and it may be that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went both of them, and Samuel abroad. And as we're going down to the end of the city, in verse 27, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on, but, but stand thou still a while that I may shew thee the word of God. So he's just about to reveal to him, you know, exactly what God's plan is. And so if you're filling those blanks, uh, Samuel and Saul ate together. Saul was given the best seat, the best portion. Verse 3, Samuel was treating Saul like royalty, like a king. He would be the king. And then lastly, in verse number F there, Saul requested a private moment with Saul that he might reveal God's word to him. So the next, next chapter, we're really going to get into how he anointed him and how, signs that God provided to clearly indicate that this was exactly what God wanted to take place. So let's just look at some, some practical takeaways from this. And the first one, under number three there, is sometimes God may be arranging circumstances or using them to direct the paths of people toward His will. And God, does, God can do that. You know, um, God's, God's will, God's leadership ought to be a very important subject to every one of us. You know, that God would guide us, that God would direct us and he uses, sometimes he just uses thoughts we have. Sometimes he uses people. Sometimes he uses circumstances. And as I said there, what did God use to get this, the first king in the right place at the right time? He used, don he used donkeys. Isn't that something? He used donkeys. He used the servant that said, there's a man of God near here. He used these maidens to give directions to Saul. And so under that B, this is a reminder of how important our decisions are and how important it is that we be in the right place at the right time. Um, we, could, we could take the position, well, if God's going to get his will done, he'll get it done with or without me. But that's really not, that is not a biblical, spiritual way to go. We want God to lead us. We're trusting him. You know, when our pastor gets up here in the next hour, he preaches and I have no idea what he's preaching, except it's going to be Bible. And if it's Bible, it's good. And what he's preaching could be, you know, for all of us, a, a, a message from God that we need to hear. We're trusting that, right? And, but what if, what if we weren't here? What if we weren't here to hear it? We might, we might be wondering, why don't why God hadn't speaking to me about this? Well, maybe we weren't where we were supposed to be when we were supposed to be there. This is how God works. God, you know, we can't just assume that God's just going to slap us up the head every time we need to know something. No, maybe we just need to be where God wants us to be. I put this um, under their C and under number three, that verse, Genesis 24, 7. It's that famous verse, I think it's famous, where um, Isaac is um, Abraham sends his servant 
to look for a bride for Isaac. You remember the story? Now think about this. There's only one person that will fit the bill. Only one. And, it, and that person is hundreds of miles away. The servant's probably never even been there. And the servant testified about how he got to this person and found the right person. In, in this language of that verse right there, it says, he said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. I being, I being where I was supposed to be, God led me. God didn't lead him all the way from where he, and, and And that's a wonderful thing to think about, but if we don't see it in our own lives, we're missing the whole point. If we're not where we're supposed to be, doing what we're supposed to be doing, listening, looking, praying, you know, D there under that number three, God often uses a series of smaller decisions to bring us to the ultimate place he wants us to be. I missed a blank there, B, how important our decisions are. So let's just think about this for the next five minutes or so um, and, and, and just get your perspective on this or maybe your input. God chose a man, Saul, who was handsome, strong, and from a successful family. Can you see how Israel would view him as a good, acceptable, qualified candidate? But really, what other feature should be desirable in a potential king? I mean, can you see how... By the way, I think about our own election system. We have, the, we have a privilege in this country of voting. But what should we be looking for? We're not just looking for people that are handsome and people who are articulate. I mean, really, you can get elected here and not even be able to put two sentences together. <laughs> but we ought to be looking for people who have the right character, the people who have the right value system. And, and that's, that's what they were not looking for. They were not thinking about that. Um, B, why would a prophet be called a seer? Somebody tell me why. Why would a prophet be called a seer? Because of what? Because of what they see. He sees things. He sees things that other people don't see. I mean, what we were reading in Ezekiel, my wife and I, this morning, and I'm not going to turn to it, but in Ezekiel chapter 13, God was judging the false prophets in Ezekiel's day. And this is what he said periodically. They're, they're saying things that I have not shown them. They're saying things that they didn't see from me. It, it is, and it says they're seeing from the vanity of their own imaginations. And you know what? You can, you, there's a lot of that goes on. A seer sees from God. He sees what God, he's not seeing from his own imagination, his own desires, his own inclination. He's seeing things from God. And that's, and so a prophet means he sees things. You know, as a matter of fact, I think it's in Isaiah chapter 1, I'm going to turn to it today, where it says the, the vision, vision of Isaiah, which the Lord did show him. And so the good thing is we, we don't have to have God showing us things about doctrine, etc. We have the Bible to read. Now, preachers preach and teach us the Bible, but we have the Bible that reveals us the, will, the, the character of God, the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be asking God to guide us in matters of our life. We ought to be asking God to guide us. I, you know, honestly, 
I think I'm asking God probably more, as much if not more, for his daily, for his leadership, as I have any time in my life. I just want to be where God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do. And I don't want to take that for granted. Okay, C, what is the narrative, narrative being what the Bible says, what is the, what is the record about Saul coming to Samuel say to, to us about God's guidance, his provision, and his timing? What, is that, what does that say to you about God's ability to guide? Anybody? Lisa? Yeah, it's perfect. It can be trusted. And sometimes he uses circumstances. Sometimes he, he uses things to help us. Look at that verse in Proverbs 16. I want to uh, look at that together real quick. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. A great verse about this subject. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So a man, in his heart, he's, he's planning his direction. He's planning his day. He's planning his week. He's planning, making these plans. But the Lord is actually going to direct his steps. God can intervene. God, so it doesn't tell us we're not to think or plan or pray. It doesn't tell us that at all. It, but it does tell us we ought to be trusting God to help us know his will. And, and it's amazing how the, way, how the Lord can do that. So the last thing in number four, is it reasonable to assume that sometimes God may be directing our paths in ways, sometimes in common things, and we fail to recognize the hand of God? And the answer to that is obviously yes, it, it could be. You know, I have, over the course, I'll just give you a little testimony, over the course of, my lifetime, my, our ministry, many times, not in this place only, but in other places, I'll remember when I'm preaching about conversations that happened in my life. Like one conversation was happening was after an evening service one time when we were living in Texas, and I was about 21, 22, when uh, Mrs. Murray's husband, Joe Murray, came up to me after a service and said, you know, would you consider being in the bus ministry, working with me in the bus ministry? And that, that was a life-changing moment for me. It, but to some people, it'd just be a conversation, a meaningless conversation, just an incidental conversation. But you know what I know was God used that to direct me in a way. And, and I know without a doubt, when the woman who I, who I knew didn't, was a total stranger to me, never met her at that time, when a woman mentioned to my wife, you ought to try to get your husband to go to church. If you could get him to go to church, his life could be changed. And you know what? She did get me to go to church. And I heard the gospel. My life was changed. Those aren't, those aren't they just are little common, run-of-the-mill moments in life. But God uses things like that. But we miss them a lot of times because we're not paying attention. You know, we're not, we're not sensitive to what God is doing in our life. And so this is one of the great takeaways from this passage to me is how God can use donkeys and maidens and people who don't even know, not even spiritually sensitive, to, bring, to work in our people's lives, to connect us with the right people at the right place, at the right time, 
with the right moment to get us where God wants us to be. Isn't that a wonderful thing how God does that? And I want him to do that in my life. We ought to want him to do that in our lives.